0: Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions about all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at the undefeated teams, a historical amount of them, and whether or not we think they are actually as good as their record suggests. We're going to have a look at some of the games from last week, some good and some bad. We're going to take questions from the mailbag and we're also then going to have a look forward to next week's games. Okay, so this week on the show, unfortunately, due to a complication of technical errors and uh, and some housemate issues, uh, we're down to only two contributors. Uh, but don't worry, uh, it's the two best, clearly, uh, as we are available. Either that, or we're just the sad cases with nothing to do midweek on an evening. So we've got myself, Connor, and we've also got uh, skyping in from from Cork, the resident Seahawks fan, uh, Ronan Fitzpatrick. How are you, Ronan?
1: I'm not just a Seahawks fan, also provider of the most insightful questions ever, uh, as we all know.
0: Oh, good. So you're, you're kind of taking that on. You're kind of trying to take the sting out of it by owning the fact that you have stupid questions.
1: <laughs> I'm the question master. What are you all about?
0: Get out of here. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Why can't you guys finish out a game?
1: <laughs> I, I wish I knew. Well, uh, <laughs> we can talk
0: about that later. Yeah, yeah, we'll chat about that in a bit. What we're going to do this week is we're going to focus mostly on one big area uh, because some interesting stuff happened uh, in regards to this. We currently have five undefeated teams in the NFL. This is the most number, or the the, the, the yeah, the highest number of undefeated teams at this point in the season since the since the merger. The question is, is this an issue of we've got a lot of very good teams at the top end and nothing below, there's a massive drop off between it, or is it an issue of scheduling and where do we see these teams going uh, moving forward? So our undefeated teams are the Broncos, the Packers, the Panthers, the Patriots and the Bengals. So it seems that the trick to being undefeated is to either have your team start with a B or a P. I suppose that there's also like Bills. Bills aren't doing quite as well. No, they're 3-3 as well, Yeah. Um... So yeah, Roderick, I suppose we'll kick it off. Like, Do you think these guys are all deserving of their undefeated records? What do you think has put them here? I think
1: there's a, a clear delineation. Like, I was actually looking at the numbers earlier on. The Pats are the only team which has really faced more than one team, which is evens or better right now. Like The the schedule has been very, very kind to the Panthers. It has been very, very kind to the Packers as well. As the, it's been okay to the Bengals. The Broncos uh, have also had a pretty easy schedule. So, like, New England faced, has faced uh, two teams which actually have an even or better record, but the rest have, I think, one between them all. Like, basically, a two-to-one ratio between wins and losses between those teams. So, I think, like, the schedule has definitely just happened to have shaken around in this way. Of those teams, I would say, like, the Packers and the Pats have actually probably been good enough for that record, yeah. even if they had been playing some tougher teams. But, like... The Panthers, like they got the win against the Seahawks, but we don't really know how good the Seahawks are right now. Besides that, they were playing Texans, they were playing the Jaguars and other teams like that. Yeah, and you will actually notice that those teams show up a lot. The Jags show up a lot in the teams that these all these teams have played. The Bucks show up in a lot of the teams they've played, and like obviously the Falcons as well, which are only one off it as well Mm. have that advantage. So I think if I was to give a percentage of how much is it to do to these five teams being transcendental. And how much it was to do with scheduling, I'd probably put it like uh, 70, 30, 60, 40 in favour of scheduling versus actual uh, paradigm shift in the NFL, which uh, favours the elite teams.
0: Fair enough, yeah. like, I'd, like I'd, I'd agree with you to a certain extent. Like I'd, I'd, I'm not trying to take away from these teams. Like They are, for the most part, excellent teams. They've played very well. They've gotten lucky in certain spots, I agree. But like they are good teams. I'd say when I look at these, these five, I'd put them into kind of two tiers. I think the Packers... The Patriots and the Bengals are three teams that are legitimately very, very talented and are showing up and are looking like they will be strong throughout the season. The Broncos and the Panthers are put in a second tier, not to say they aren't playing great. They have clear deficiencies on their teams. Broncos are profiting from the fact that they have very strong defense, a very weak our weakening quarterback and had a very nice run of the schedule so far so like their their games to this point have been the Ravens who are a hot mess the Chiefs who ran them exceptionally close but as we can see have only won one game this season the Lions who are a dumpster fire the Vikings who ran them close enough but are again an okay team with one very, very strong job. yeah very one one-sided one 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 element to their offense really the Raiders, who, while looking improved, an improved Raiders team is still like a six-win team. Yeah. And, and the Browns, who are looking, again, like a hot mess. Like, it's not that they've really been challenged so far. And the, the Panthers are the same. They've had the Jags, the Texans, and the Saints, and the Bucks as their first four games. And they've managed to basically just eke out wins against them. They haven't been yeah. overly dominant. Uh, Cam's been playing out of his skin. He's looked yeah, fantastic. No, he's
1: carrying that team on his back, and he's carrying the ball as well all yeah. the time.
0: And then obviously <laughs> they had their they had their win against the Seahawks as well, which which was which was interesting. I was having a look at the uh, kind of what I'd say because what, what I was considering is this strength of team or strength of schedule. Um, I kind of tried to think what was the toughest game that each of these teams faced. So like for the Broncos, it was either the Chiefs or the, the Vikings. I'd probably err inside of the Chiefs because I think that was, was a very close game up to the very end and they they, they kind of just, just snuck out of there. The Packers' toughest game was the Chargers and they didn't fare fantastically well against the Chargers. Philip Rivers tore them to shreds, but they still managed to get that win. Packers' toughest game was the Seahawks, I suppose, but as you said, we don't really know where the Seahawks are at the moment. Like It's, it's, it's kind of a, a wishy-washy season so far for them. The Pats' their toughest game was either against a Steelers team that were missing their main running back, or a Colts team that were a shamble. And then the Bengals again, terrible. It was either the Ravens or the Seahawks again. Like it's not a scenario where these teams have come up against each other so much. Like how far do we see these guys going? Where do we see their their streaks ending? Because I've got a couple of ideas that I've jotted down. One well,
1: of the streaks must end next week. There can only be one from uh, Broncos uh, Packers. In yeah. Three- Eight after both of them have their bye, that's got to be um, the Packers. Like I could, the Pats will probably like they probably won't go sixteen and zero, but I like, could certainly like it wouldn't be beyond the realm's of possibility of them. Yeah. The Bengals have they played in prime time yet? We still haven't seen them in prime time. <laughs> that's where they've traditionally had their massive brain farts. Yeah, it's when they just suddenly just become like the playoffs version of themselves. Yeah, so interesting, but like. They do look good enough, but that shouldn't happen. But we've said that before. The Panthers, it could happen. It could be any week, really. For me, the Panthers. They every game with the Panthers is going to be close. Their offense. Uh, still,
0: I'll 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 tell you something right now. Uh, the Panthers are going to lose it in week nine when they play the Packers.
1: Well, okay, so if they're playing the Packers, uh, okay, so the Packers could take out two undefeated teams in. Two oh weeks. yeah,
0: definitely. Now, my problem is, like I say, the Pat. Like, there's a sense of inevitability. Like team is going to drop a game, right? But I was looking at the Pats' schedule. trying to figure out exactly who they're going to lose to. Like, the best chance I see is against the Jets this week. If you look at the rest of their schedule after that, there's no one who's going to be even really competitive with them. This year, the Pats play the AFC South and East, <laughs> and then they play the NFC East. The, tough, the toughest game left on their schedule after the Jets is they play the Broncos on the 30th of November. And I think the Pats will wipe the floor with the Broncos. I mean
1: they have a cheeky Giants
0: game as well, though? Ah, yeah, they might have a cheeky Giants <laughs> game. But normally it's only the postseason when the Giants can get that kind of sneaky. The Packers as well, like week 10, or sorry, it's not week 10, against the Rams I think is the only possible. And that's just because I don't know what Rams will show up. But again, there's nothing really on the schedule for the Packers that scares me.
1: That's the thing in the NFL. You never really see it coming. Like, yeah. you, you get all this momentum behind certain teams, and you get the narrative going around them, and then they lose to like a good, a good to decent team. You know, any given Sunday and all that. Like, I think it's it's pretty hard to predict. But if I like, as you said, there's kind of two tiers of teams. There, we know that of we know that the since the Broncos and the Packers and the Panthers are all have at least one game against each other it's highly unlikely any more than one of them, well, basically no more than one of them can come out of that with the undefeated uh, thing. I think the Pats are probably the best bet. And I think like this is, it's just kind of been lucky this year. And I don't think this is like a general trend we're looking at here, that there's uh, somehow been some kind of change in the NFL, which is obviously designed from the base up to be about parity due to all, all the systems, such the draft and free agency and all that.
0: Mm. No, no, I understand. I'm sorry. It's just a question we got asked from one of our listeners. Uh, I think the answer is pretty evident anyway. Are any of these teams not going to make the playoffs? Uh,
1: I don't think so. I, I think they, they, they should. like Wins on the board is what is the most important statistic when it comes to who's going to the yeah. playoffs. So, like all those teams, like the chance they would drop out of wildcard consideration is just so low that you just yeah. can't expect it to happen. Like you know, the Panthers
0: are nearly already uh, qualified for the playoffs from That's last year. That's NCAA. it. <laughs> And they've got the Eagles and the Colts up next, so like they should definitely be able to to to, to try and clinch their seven and nine record uh, early on this season. Like
1: in the NFC, because the East has so much parity, and because the NFC North has kind of turned into a bit of a hot mess underneath the Packers, mm. it's going to be quite interesting to see who gets what will probably be that last uh, playoff spot, the last wildcard spot. Yeah. because you would reckon the Falcons are probably in for it right now. Uh, for the first wild card oh, yeah. spot, but that second one, like there's a lot of teams, including the Seahawks, the Vikings, a lot of teams with a lot of questions, who will be fighting mm-hmm. for that. and It should be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah, the thing thing that I find interesting is I'm looking at these undefeated teams. I'm looking at the Broncos Panthers section, and I even though they've lost two games, I'm putting the I, in my head. I'm putting the Arizona Cardinals in that exact same position of being. I think they're going to be the dominant force in that division, and they're going to come out the top of it. So then it's two wildcard spots that people are fighting for underneath that. Um, But yeah, no, I think in answer to the question there, Lister, uh, no, all these teams are going to make the playoffs. Fitz, you sure you didn't send that one in under a pseudonym? Like, it sounds like your kind of crap.
1: (laughs) No, I would say, like, are any of these teams not legit? Yo.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. It doesn't have as much white gangsta speak. To be you, I've just got two 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 quick things to run off as well, just from other news that happened very recently. Well, one recently, one just a hilarious observation. So it turns out that uh, that your running back was involved in a car crash. It's fullback, uh, fullback. Yeah. Sorry, uh, and there was it was initially reports of it being <laughs> drag racing between him and Marshawn Lynch, but they've they've since been kind of quashed yeah. as rumours. Well,
1: apparently, what happened is that
0: he like he crashed
1: into the back of another car and they did a flip and then he just walked off so the lawyers when they got in were basically like he had a concussion like the the the, re- the weird thing is is that he's actually deaf he's actually like a he's like medically he's a medically deaf player and they also claimed that his imp- like his ear implants had oh, fallen out. basically they claim he might have had a concussion coming out of that car crash and he was effectively deaf so, maybe, you know, it might be understandable that he would just walk away from a crash scene, yeah. which is a crime uh, in, in CIA,
0: like in, in Washington State. Yeah. Most of America. It's, it's, a, it's a crime in most of America, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so basically, reports of it being drag racing is is is, is not true from what we yeah. gather, anyway, <laughs> um, which is fine. Um, and then the only other thing, which I just thought was hilarious, uh, it, it popped up on a, on a forum that I read. Uh, we were discussing terrible wildcard teams. Uh, like, regardless of how bad they are, a team has to come out of the AFC South because someone has to win that division. As it stands, every team in the AFC South is in negative net points. Really? What? <laughs> Not one of them is in positive points for this for this year. Which is which is just remarkable. So hey. Terrible dude. Yeah, it's division.
1: a shame the Texans have been so gack. Like, you know, the thing won't like the, yeah, there will be no challenge Let like, The Colts will get through anyway.
0: Yeah. Well or, I don't I don't know because like it's 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 the kind of thing of like you could even see if the Texans pick up two or three wins in division, all of a sudden yeah. they're they're t- like this is a division that's gonna send a seven and nine or eight and eighteen. Like that's it. Um but it's just
1: that like like you can just see it trending towards the Colts, kind of putting it together enough to
0: maybe, maybe we'll see, we'll see. Like they've looked, they've looked very, very dodgy so far. Okay, so in our good game section this week, we're going to look at two games. We're going to look at the uh, Carolina at the Seahawks, which was a very exciting finish to a game, very depressing for Ronan. And then secondly, we're going to have a quick look at uh, New England at Indianapolis, the uh, the revenge game. Uh, or something along those lines. At least that's what the NFL seemed to be hoping with that four-game ban for <laughs> Brady. As as Harry was saying during the week, uh, I'm sure he would be—he'd love to be here to tell us about it. God damn, the the NFL must actually be kind of happy that they didn't have to try and market that shitstorm storm as being a big game preseason. It looked like it would have been fantastic, but like, who wants to watch the Indianapolis Colts right now?
1: It's kind of turned out. It turned out to be a bit of a you know damn squib. Was a bit flat in the end. Yeah, uh, I'd say. Fair enough. Which, uh, do we want to talk
0: about that? We'll talk about. Uh, we'll talk about that one in a minute. we'll, we'll yeah. start. We'll start in on your boys. Carolina at Seattle: a nail-biting finish, twenty-seven to twenty-three. Carolina maintained their unbeaten record. Seattle decide that they just, just, just don't like playing four quarters. They're a three-quarter kind of team. Again, they lose a lead. In fact, I heard this coming in from work this morning. Uh, so they lost a nine-point lead with four minutes left in the game. They did that last week as well, nine points or more. That's only been done once before in the history of the NFL, and they've now done it twice in back-to-back weeks.
1: It was, it was weird, again, to see it happen. Like the, the game-winning touchdown came on a blown call between Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas. Like, these are supposed to be the elite players in your defense. And then they're the ones who are one of playing cover two, one of playing cover three. I heard about they, this. The worst thing is, it's starting to get into their head. Like there was a report, like there was a report at the game saying, like Chris Richard, who's the new defensive coordinator this year, was actually going down and saying, "Let's just keep it simple. Let's just do this before the fourth quarter." So it's getting into their heads, and they're starting. It's starting to look really bad. There's a lot of like. There was like a lot of fight, like there was some fighting between Errol Thomas and Richard Sherman mm. after that blown call at the end. Like you can't blame it completely on the defense because yeah. the offense has failed to put up any basically basically any points in the fourth quarter and haven't even been that good at running the ball, killing the clock, which yeah. traditionally they were pretty good at. If the defense isn't elite, we're seeing that the Seahawks are very beatable. The fact that it's happening in the fourth quarter is just kind of is the most unusual bit. Uh,
0: is, it, is it a conditioning issue maybe or what, what what is it?
1: It could be. like on the D line, like we used to have a lot of depth along the D line and those championship winning teams. And it's very much been uh, pulled away over the years through free agency losses. So I think that I think the pass rush is definitely uh, loosening up towards the end of the game. But I think a, a combination of conservative play calling towards the end isn't helping. And I think Kerry Williams, who was the uh, free agent cornerback uh, they brought in this season to replace Byron Maxwell, hasn't really lived up to expectations. They have had the scheme with Richard Sherman to try and. Alleviate some of his mistakes. His big, mis- like his big problem right now, he's giving up big plays, and the Seattle's defense has always been a contained defense in the sense of it's always about preventing the big play, about keeping it, it in of front of you, drive. yeah. And Kerry Williams just isn't doing that.
0: No, fair enough. Like I, I did, I did hear a discussion about this and it's something I've noticed Now, like the Seahawks would have always traditionally played kind of one high safety so like in a cover one or maybe a bit of cover three they didn't really do very much cover two because they didn't need to provide that kind of level of support to the corners and that kind of additional protection the fact the fact that the that the blown play call was a are we playing cover one are we playing cover two are we playing cover three like that shouldn't have been as much of an issue apart from the fact that they're mixing in this cover two is this a reaction to Kerry Williams being a weaker corner and trying to provide him with more security over the top or what do you think is is causing this change in kind of defensive mantra and calling
1: Well, like, like, there is an argument that we're moving away from, like, before the Super Bowl and before Denver, like Richard Sherman says, like, we do cover three, we do the same, same thing every week, it's all about execution, but this year, we are seeing a mix in there, and I think Carrie Williams isn't the only, like, Carrie Williams is exacerbated, I think there was some changes last season, because we were, like, teams were scheming and beating us by going... Uh, for the handoffs, tight ends were doing really well. Dump offs of the running back were doing pretty well. So I think they were making adjustments for that. But Carrie Williams' kind of weakness and inability to protect the, like to protect the outside, is having a, is exacerbating and accelerating that process of us having to become uh, more flexible and more busy, uh, more uh, situational mm-hmm. in our defensive scheme calling. Whereas what laid the foundation of the team going to do Super Bowls was the relative simplicity. Oh, oh, of the scheme and it's relatively yeah. it's relative,
0: uh, unchangingness uh, in, in a sense. Fair enough. Now, not not to overfocus on the on the, the the Seahawks and this. Carolina did put together quite a good game. Like we're we're still looking at this team that's producing in a state undefeated, even though they don't appear to have a <laughs> a, a viable wide receiver. Uh, they seem to be u- utilising Cam Newton an awful lot. Now I understand he's a beast, but. You can't be you can't be putting your your, your quarterback out there that much, um, risking hits no matter how big he is. Um, but that said, solid job from them. Good job from the defense. Was Keeley back in this game?
1: Yeah, he came back for this game.
0: What did you make of his play? I didn't see too much of this one.
1: Um, based on what I saw, he was a tackling machine as usual. He just yeah. he just does it. he shows up and he does his job. And he got he had the most tackles in the Panthers' defense again, which is very unsurprising uh, based on. That's basically how it works when him there. Their defence, even without him, okay. But with him, it is definitely in the upper echelon. Like, the zone defence, the Seahawks play. Mm. Like, those players, mm. they know how to get up the seam. They the problem
0: do- with defending the big play in those types of scenarios is you allow a catch, and these guys are big guys, and then they can get yards after tackle. Like, you can have Cam Chancellor tackle as hard as he wants, but you're still going to have these tight ends picking up five to eight yards after yeah. the catch. Like... like-
1: Cam Chancellor's great When the play Is in front of him But when it gets Behind him Then he can He, he can be vulnerable Yeah Especially because He's coming off A truncated uh, Preparation This year
0: Fair enough Well best, best of luck To see Seattle uh, Next week On the Thursday night Football game And uh, Carolina Hopefully will Continue their, 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 their Somehow meteoric rise From the uh, from, from, from the south uh, Second game We're going to look at On the good section Is New England At Indianapolis uh, This was Marketed as The big fight Comeback revenge game uh given that indianapolis had the audacity to call out the fact that the patriots are cheating scum and <laughs> document it uh i get that we're all sick of hearing about deflake it and i'm happy that it'll be put to bed hopefully we won't discuss it anymore doesn't change the fact they're cheating scum
1: <laughs> but
0: yeah so this was a game where new england won in the end up I think the I think the score slightly flatters the performance of Indianapolis. I think New England were significantly better than them in it. Lucky plays and whatnot in the back end allowed them to, to, to run this a lot closer than they were. I think New England were a bit slow out of the gates in this game. I
1: think you're fair in the sense that we know the Colts aren't good and they didn't really do. They did some things to spell that, that they might be able to shake, shake themselves out of their torpor. But I think at the end of the day, you can see the difference in quality and the difference in preparation and where the teams are in terms of how confident they are at this stage of the season. They were slow out of the gate, but in the end they, like they tend to play slower against Indianapolis in the sense that they for some reason Indianapolis Colts are allergic to stopping uh Blunt. They just kind of like this big lumbering guy just like bowls, like basically literally bowls his way through their defence <laughs> while like even though like they, they now have the, the like even though they're playing the they're not even playing Legaret Blunt no no season he was rolled out mm-hmm. for this game and he did it to work again. <laughs> and then Gronk just, you know, eventually Tom Brady is going to get it to Gronk and then Gronk is going to score points. Mm. Uh, he's just the cheat code for the NFL. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, is see the like they were fastest so player games. to 60 touchdowns or fastest tight end to 60 touchdowns or something like that? Yeah. Uh, 60 so. touchdowns in 70 games, I think it was? Jesus, like...
1: Indianapolis, they had a chance going into the like the third quarter, but then they had this massive uh, special teams brain fart. Yeah.
0: Which just
1: kind of... Was the pivot point of the game like NFL games pivot on a few clear plays, and this was definitely one of them. It's not just the fact that the Patriots scored from it; it's the fact like from the resulting uh, drive. Hmm. It's the fact that it's just like all the subplots going on in Indianapolis to yeah, do it. Pagano it and. Brickson and
0: the whole like the hierarchy at the club right yeah. now. We had like so basically it was a stupid decision to try and run a swinging gate, which we don't think has ever actually successfully worked in the NFL. <laughs> at least not in the last ten years. It does it does mean that Chip Kelly is not the person who has failed the most at trying to run a swinging gate, which is <laughs> a plus. But there was an explanation made for it by the punter or by the by the kicker um, during the week. Did you hear it? No, I didn't. It was uh, very interesting. So the practice is played <laughs> during the week. Intending to use it like that's that says a lot about a coaching staff if they're already planning this. Right. But the problem was the person who was meant to be stepping in as a snapper got injured earlier on in the game. So a different person stepped in a snapper who had not practiced this play before. The intention of the play was apparently, originally, to set up like this, kind of confuse the Patriots, get them to swap to bring their defense onto the field rather than their special teams, and then quickly snap it to get a 12-men on the on the field call, right? Oh, okay. Right, which makes, which makes sense to an extent. Still stupid. Here's where it gets really stupid. They decided to add an additional wrinkle. They had a new person under center who had not practiced this play beforehand, this is already a trick play to try and have them have 12 men on the field. And then decided to add the additional point of trying to hard count it so they might run offside as well. So the, the chap who came in as a replacement uh, snapper for had not been informed of this new wrinkle. Nothing else that could go wrong for how badly this was organised. He so had a chap who's never practiced play beforehand, who doesn't realise that they're also going to try and fake fake hard count this as well, just snapping the ball and completely making a hames of it. Well done, coaching staff at Indianapolis. Explain all you want, you are still morons.
1: People are comparing it to things like the Bud fumble, as that they like, to start, like the stink of this is going to hang over this team mm. and it's going to take a lot of winning to take that away. Especially because we know Pagano isn't getting on with yeah. the hierarchy at, at the Colts. So if they start to lose a bit more, this is the kind mm. of thing which would really just accelerate that process. Does,
0: does Chuck last the season?
1: I think he'll last the season, but if they get knocked out before the divisional round, like even I think a wildcard wild loss, we could still see him gone. Yeah. But I think it's very hard to fire a coach who can still get you the playoffs and can still win a game and in in the off season. Yeah. Like maybe they'll just be stupid enough to do it. Like it does it's not a very function like it's never been a particularly mm. functional team. It's always just seems to have this ridiculous look, mm. uh, no pun intended, in terms of like, but, um, like sh- having having gimmies just handed to them. Yeah.
0: It's the it's, actual it's,
1: hierarchy, the actual trades that have happened, the actual oh. decisions overall have been Terrible, below average, terrible by, by any stretch, okay. and their GM and owner are hardly uh, I would consider them the most stable of uh, of
0: ownership. Uh, you'd, you'd think controller. taking that amount of meds at least one of them would stabilize you. <laughs> well, yeah, allegedly, but yeah, so yeah, so New England roll over Indianapolis. Indianapolis have a chance, and they shit the bed. Uh, although that chance was maybe. A little bit more distant than one botched, uh, one yeah, botched no. special teams move away from well, success. That just
1: puts me like when that happens to your team, everyone just like fuck
0: this shit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're now going to move on to the dumpster fireside chats. Our bad games for the week. Uh, so we're going to have a look first at uh, New York Giants at Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia look terrible, but get rolling. They uh, finally get a bit of production out of Demarco Murray. I think it was his first. Sure. Game over a hundred yards, yeah. Um, on the ground, anyway. On the ground, yeah. He he looked. Uh, he didn't look great, but he looked better. Uh, I still think there's a problem with him. Of uh, they're still trying to run him horizontally instead of vertically. Like, he's a straight down the throat kind of runner. Like if it, like Ryan Matthews is by a considerable distance the best fit running back for this system. Definitely. But as it stands, Chip is still holding on tight. And similar to 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 the Browns quarterback decision I think the fact that they're getting a victory like this will only harden Chip's resolve to yeah. to stand by his choice which I think is a problem uh, New York Giants looked terrible looked anemic like what were your thoughts on this game Fitz did you watch much of it uh, yeah like I think it was like even despite
1: the score both these teams, look, on offense, look really, really problematic. Like, the Giants have effectively become dependent on having Beckham on the pitch. And when he became injured, when he became ineffective, like, you saw that beyond Odell Beckham right now, the Giants just don't have much going on. They haven't been helped, obviously, that Victor Cruz continues to be out. But their run game has been anemic for, like, pretty much all season. I would know well. I've cycled through all the running back. <laughs> Uh, Shane Vereen Rashad Jennings and uh, I forget the other one run, they don't have a run game and Eli's trying to play it out there and that can work if you have an elite wide team but they don't right now um, Philadelphia even though they put up 27 points Sam Bradford is just looking horrible right now Sam, showing picks left right and centre is,
0: is, should, like, should they be should they be considering because I, I certainly think they should be considering benching him
1: benching for Sanchez yeah like,
0: bring out the Sanchez
1: yeah, like I think San- Sanchez showed showed last season that he can play the possession quarterback role, and he he can keep the like he in general uh, can keep the ball a bit better than Sam Bradford is showing right now. Yeah. But I think as you said, Chip Kelly is Chip Kelly. He's like mm. he won't he won't give up on his experiment. Pulling ahead, and if the run game start like if the run game can get going, they do have two elite running backs, even if they're misusing Demarco Murray. So that can carry the team oh, yeah. to the
0: nine, ten, the 9 or 10 wins that they'll probably need to win the NFC East. If even, if even 9 or 10 wins yeah. to win that. Um, the defenders I've seen for Sam Bradford are saying, oh look, it's a new system, it's Chip Kelly's system, he needs to get used to it, he needs to get into into the mindset for it. Like, a lot of people seem to think that this is a settling in period and that he's expecting him to be much better as the season progresses and kind of air into it. My problem with that kind of a that kind of talking about it is essentially Chip Kelly is running a glorified college system here. This is yep. meant to be a type of offense where you can plug and play players. That was his whole mantra over the offseason in getting rid of people and plugging in new guys. It's not meant to be a system that takes that long to adapt to. So I'm I'm not buying this 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 give him time, he'll he'll ease into the system more.
1: No, I don't buy it either. Like well, if Nick like you know, obviously it was it was more new back then, but if Nick Foles can look amazing in it, if you're if your new quarterback kind of it looks awful in it, then they really shouldn't be under consideration. Like like the other quarterbacks who've been in the system haven't looked amazing necessarily all the time. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Foles had the amazing initial run with it. Mark Sanchez looked decent last season in it. Yeah. But like Sam Bradford just doesn't look good at all. No. Maybe there's like a certain element of teams catching up with the scheme, but I think you kind of have like at the end of the day, the quarterback's most important position on the field, and when the offense stinks and when the ball gets turned over, usually you have to look at one man, and that's Sam Bradford.
0: Yeah, there's a strong chance that Sam Bradford just isn't trying at the moment because normally when Sam Bradford tries to football, he like breaks something in his leg, and <laughs> nothing has happened so far. Yeah, the one thing I say for this game is that the the
1: Philly defense is actually looking pretty good. It's Starting stepping get, up a bit more, into a bit of shape there, so that could be. Like, if they have a decent... If that defense turns into something good, they should definitely be able to chance. Like At the end of the season, I think it will probably come down to them and the Cowboys, uh, depending on how quickly Tony Romo can get back in. No, of course. Oh, unless Matt Castle is due for a a career revival in Dallas.
0: But, um, yeah, so so overall, um, this this division is not looking very good. Uh, Philadelphia looking stronger, but still crap. New York Giants looking weak. I'm trying to figure out if this is... Currently the New York Giants who play one game well, one game bad, one game well, one game bad. Or whether they've hit their mid-season lull where they'll lose a couple of games and then try and go on a streak at the back end. Uh, the other game we're going to have a quick chat about, although the, to be honest there's not a huge amount to talk about. We <laughs> called this nearly entirely correctly um, when we when we previewed it last week. Kansas City at Minnesota, 10 points to 16 points. Uh, The dullest game of football you've ever seen, question mark? Well,
1: was there not that game? I guess the
0: the Cleveland brand, the Jags, a couple of seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, yeah, that was... was Oh, yeah, no, like... This is up there, though.
1: Like, the problem with both these teams is that they're... They both have good, decent defences... And they both have very run heavy offenses, which haven't really got going. Yeah. And they both have quarterbacks who are decent, but limited, or at least play that way. Yeah. I suppose the difference this week is that the star running back that both teams rely on, one of them is injured, one of them is not. And that's probably the difference this week. But, like, they're both not bad enough to be truly, like, compelling in, like, a terrible way. Yeah. But they're both just decent enough. That
0: awkward middle ground.
1: Yeah, exactly. That kind of. Mm. They're both teams that will probably not finish below like five, five wins. Yeah, but neither is likely to be above Eighth. like nine.
0: I'd like, say the Vikings
1: are some people's like sneaky pick for the last playoff, uh, like the wild spot
0: yeah. right now. So I, think, I just, think, I think, I think they were that until people started to actually watch their games.
1: Yeah, they're looking like when you actually watch them, they're just they don't look very good. They still look like a team that doesn't really have an identity, but hey, they could come into form. We don't really know. Oh, they could, yeah.
0: Like, I think Minnesota played a poor game in this, although I think a lot of that was due to the fact that Kansas City's defense stepped up exceptionally well. Uh, they were missing Dontari Poe and uh, Allen went out with a concussion in this game. Uh, so we're missing two of the pieces on the defensive line. It was still held Adrian Peterson to basically nothing I think about 50 odd yards or so which I was quite happy with Marcus Peters again looks very good as a young player on defense like defensively Kansas City looked good offensively very anemic there was a slight problem of uh, another another concussion Jeremy Macklin left the game uh, which was a problem also Kansas City were trying to work in their two running backs Niall Davis and Charkanderick West West looking Decent, but didn't really get too much going early on, although I think that's limited by the fact that in the first half, the Kansas City Chiefs had twenty three offensive plays, which is just just disgusting they looked they looked to settle in a lot more in the second half, I think dodgy play calling, dodgy management time wise and and position wise I can see the Kansas City Chiefs turning a corner a little bit better than i see I see them coming out of this game. In a better position than maybe Minnesota is. Although that said, the only reason Minnesota didn't look great was because the run defense from the Chiefs was looking very strong against them, yeah. shutting down their main their main avenue. Like you said, I agree entirely. This is this is unfortunately like a Chiefs team that's not going to be bad enough to get a high pick, but not going to be good enough to actually compete for anything. And I think the exact same is true. With Minnesota. That time you got a, a, a for number one pick, and who did you guess? Yeah. Eric Fisher <laughs> number one pick in the worst this is something actually that does annoy me Eric Fisher is getting a lot of stick Eric Fisher is actually having a pretty good season so far
1: yeah, yeah. like O-line players get unfairly judged quickly and then people don't really keep a close enough eye on them to really no. know how to progressing. like a narrative builds very quickly and there's no real quick way for an, o- an O-line person like an O-line player to dispel that mm.
0: they can't like have a three touchdown game or something mm. like that, or get a couple of picks. Like, I'm not, I'm not, not going to pretend to be that knowledgeable about line play. I know a bit from playing myself, but I wasn't, a, I wasn't a lineman, obviously. Yeah. But uh, like, I look at, I look at Pro Football Focus and all those kind of stats pages and stuff like that. I look at people who break down tape on these things and they're explaining it. Like, it seems that he's he's not having a fantastic year, but he's having a good year. And given that he's 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 moved position again and. The reason he's moved position is because we didn't have a functional right tackle. Uh, I'm, I'm quite happy with how he's doing. I am I am wondering why Alan isn't playing at the moment because he is back from injury. So uh, that, that's a question that I'll be looking to see answered maybe this week. Overall, I must say, I'm actually quite looking forward. I thought I was just going to be depressed about the concept, but I'm actually looking forward to the game in London that we're all going to be going to and actually seeing them, seeing them in person. I think Chuck Hendrick-West will be an exciting, because he'll have had two weeks then to kind of bet into the offense and get used. I think he'll be interesting to watch there. But yeah, overall, Kansas City drop another game. Minnesota look poor, but good enough to beat a team that's, that's trying to figure out what it's going to do, given that 60% of its offensive yards uh, is now sitting in a hospital bed after an, after an operation on his knee. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so we're going to move on to questions from the listeners now. Okay, so this week we're going to look at one question that came in from Kian, uh, because a few questions came specifically about uh, some of the some of the undefeated teams and some of the teams that were in the the, the, the game review, so we thought we don't want to pester you with them twice. Kean asks, and it's, it's a very relevant question given how last week and the, the, the season so far has gone, what is a catch? What do the NFL need to do to fix this rule? So we've seen numerous times now this this catch rule uh, be discussed, be decided upon, and then have that decision overturned or have those decisions be massively inconsistent from game to game. They also seem, for some reason, to have different definitions of what a catch is for an offensive player and for a defensive player. Uh, (laughs) Essentially, I believe the wording is you need to catch the football, have control of it, and then make a football move. Now, the problem is, what is a football move? Ronan, what's a football move to you?
1: It's actually interesting because the controversy this week with Golden Tate is very different from the controversy we had yeah. last week last year in the playoffs, obviously also involving the Lions uh, with Des Bryant. This this week's controversy was about whether Golden Tate caught the ball and then kind of ran like into the end zone, but did he have control at that point? It could it could have like it could literally have been a touchdown to. Uh, the Lions a touchdown to the Bears, or have been an incomplete pass. Like in this case, it was literally like they decided that he, because he had kind of turned, pivoted his body, input, like basically taken a step in inverted commas, he had made a footballing move, and therefore when the ball broke the plane, he had caught the ball, and it'd be uh, it, it was a touchdown. He had broke the plane, therefore it's a touchdown. Even though felt like he, like looked like he had actually finished the play, the Bears defender came in, pump, punched it out. Uh, and then it uh, was caught uh, by one of the defensive players, and should have been therefore a defensive touchdown or a touchback. I suppose should say. sorry should it be a touchback or an incomplete pass. So it's kind of it's really hard to know. Like a footballing move just seems to be whatever you're whatever you're having. Really, I think it's a little bit clearer now for those kind of contested uh, catches yeah. about completing the process of the catch, which I think is the controversy last year. I think the process of the catch thing when someone is. Uh, when someone's like, taking a diving catch, I think it's probably been improved this season because I think they're being very conservative on it that they have to hold it the whole way through the process. But I think the controversy where it's about like uh, the running catch, where they actually continue to run past it, where we've just seen another manifestation of the fact that we don't really know what it means to be an active player in that situation. So I think the Death Bryant thing, like from the, the, from the play calling I've seen, or the, calling out the refs calling I've seen so far, I think they're being really conservative on that, but this new issue—it's very hard to know what a catch is because it, it really comes into the interpretation of what it means to be in control of the ball. Does this, this mean? Does, sh- does this? Does this mean we ball- have
0: to put an asterisk be- behind beside every single record and every single season that anyone has had up to this point? Given that a game that is based on throwing a ball and catching a ball, we have not understood and still do not understand what half of that means. This is ridiculous. A catch is a catch. You get two hands on the ball and you have your feet in bounds. I don't care then what happens beyond that point. That's a catch. That's what it was always been beforehand. Keep it simple. The biggest problem this is causing at the moment in the NFL is the fact that referees themselves don't even know what it is that they're trying to decide on. They have to go underneath the booth. They have to call Dean Blandino or whoever's available <laughs> in New York at the time. Say, Dino, help me out. What's the catch? <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And aside from that, like, it does it does slightly highlight the fact. Now, one, for the NFL to fix is simplify it to say, Two hands on the ball, controlled, and one step taken. Something like that is nice and simple. Like There was one three weeks ago. Someone caught a ball, went three steps uh, horizontally across the pitch, was hit, dropped the ball, and then they decided it wasn't a catch because he hadn't moved upfield, and that was a football move. He was holding the ball, and it had taken three steps with it in control. NFL to fix it. Step one. Simplify it. Secondly, referees in the NFL only have to attend one week of training a year. These guys are not full-time employees. They all have normal jobs. Mike Hockley is an attorney. Like <laughs> yeah. That's what he does day to day. He's not a full-time referee. These guys don't do anything for the Austin. They don't have training camps. They don't have mini camps. They don't have OTAs. Right? They have one week in which they go and they practice for a week, and then they're put onto the field, and then they don't even have a clue what they're doing. So see simpl- I- I say they should strike and uh, <laughs> look for better wages. Oh, God. Yeah. Do yeah. that, you know how much these guys are paid? It's ridiculous.
1: Like More than the
0: cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, geez, the poor cheerleaders don't get paid at all. They do a much better job. But um, but yeah, like, simplify the rule. None of this bullshitty, kind of vague, it's a football move. Say, ball in the hands, one step taken, done. That's a catch from that point. Well, I, I would
1: almost be controversial and make. With the exception of uh, touchdowns, it might make like the catch thing non-reviewable. Just like, like I don't know, like the whole.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I just see all the strokes and hair being pulled out by <laughs> by all the coaches and the tiger. You've got to be kidding me!
1: But no, like I think, like and I think, like there's also a case that they tend, like, like it's all, it's like it's like the same thing in soccer where a foul outside the box is often considered not a foul inside the box in like football. I think like the rules when it comes to near the actual touchdowns or from the big plays, they seem to be called a little bit more uh, like a little bit differently as far as I can tell. Like I think yeah. they're a little bit I don't know, a little bit hesitant to actually make like to to really call it as they see it. Like Yeah,
0: they, will, they 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 don't want to make controversial calls that then they have to deal with media about afterwards. But yeah, so basically Keenan What is a catch? A catch is really simple. What did the NFL define a catch as? Fuck knows. What did the NFL need to do to fix this rule? Scrap it. We're going to move on to our picks for next week. Okay, so we've got picks from uh, myself, Harry and Ronan again. Harry's not here, so I think there's only one that he's the only one defending, so... uh so we'll have a look at that one as well. We've got a couple of consensus ones, but we've got six games this week that we disagree on. We did a quick look at the stats beforehand. Uh, so at the moment, I'm leading in our picks by a bit of a distance. That said, poor Fitz has only got one week of, of picks underneath his belt. So we'll see how he how he continues. Also, as Harry noted, I'm apparently uh, 100% for calling Monday Night Football at the moment. So yeah, let's see if uh, if we can keep that going this week. Uh, my guess is no. What's the, What's the Monday Night game this week? No, no, like, oh no, it's fine. It's Ravens Cardinals. I'll get it right again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to run through a few of the ones that we're a consensus on. Seattle at San Francisco. We're both, in fact, all three of us are picking Seattle here. So uh,
1: yeah, no, like it's the Seahawks still look like a good team most of the time. So you would expect that on average they may be able to hold that over four quarters. And San Francisco aren't looking that good this season. So, like, to me, this is kind of a relevance bowl.
0: Whichever team loses is probably done for the season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. I would have also accepted San Francisco softballs. balls. That's, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Seattle are going to take that one. Uh, Buffalo at Jacksonville. Uh, we've all taken the Buffalo Bills to win. I'm closer on this one than I think some of you guys were. Like, Buffalo looked good. Tyrod Taylor looks good. Is he back fully now?
1: Uh, I think he's, I think he's probable, but not certain for this okay.
0: week. Okay, this is being held as well early morning over in London, so there's that added element of a bit of surprise. In theory, it's a home game for the Jags, but yeah, like just Buffalo, great defense, decent offense. If Tyrod Taylor's there, it'll be good. Their defense will match up really well with what I think is a very good-looking Jacksonville offense at the moment, but uh, Jacksonville's defense just looks terrible, so. I think Buffalo will be able to pick them apart. Uh, Houston at Miami, we've all taken Miami fits. Why do you like the the Finns? I think we're like based on last
1: week we might be looking at a kind of a Romeo Cronell type bounce, you know. You bring in a play, you bring in a player's coach and he's just like, Okay, there's actually a pretty decent amount of like a pretty decent amount of talent, let's just do shit and people are like, Okay, he's mm. not a complete twat like the last guy, so we'll actually play mm. now. And that just showed, it did well last week. So
0: oh yeah, Cameron, Cameron Wake picked up uh, Defensive Player of the Week for the third time. And yeah, given given that this is this is a team that have won sack so far in the season, I think they have five or six last week alone. But yeah, no, that'll do for them ones. New uh, New Orleans and Indianapolis, we're all taking Indianapolis. Uh, basically, yeah, Indianapolis are crap, so are New Orleans. Indianapolis will probably be able to hold out here against an even weaker New Orleans team. There's not a huge amount to say. This will be a very boring game to watch. There'll be lots and lots of mistakes on defense. Tampa Bay at Washington. Uh, we've all taken the Washington Football Club. Why do you think we should back the racists?
1: Well, I think it, it just mainly comes down to that Tampa Bay just. They they, seem to be making a lot of mistakes, basically. Like, basically, it kind of starts with Winston. He just hasn't looked that good, and their defense is pretty anemic. Like, Tampa Bay, like, this is the kind of, this is one of the games where it could go either way, but I think Washington has shown enough consistency that we should probably take them over. Tampa Bay,
0: yeah. who
1: just been very good at giving away
0: the ball uh, in very bad situations. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% on that. Atlanta, Tennessee, uh, we're all taking Atlanta. Atlanta look great, barring the uh, the little bit of a snafu there, the last uh, last uh, Monday night game. Um, but yeah, like, they, they look strong. Julio Jones is great. Uh, Tennessee look pretty poor. They're not the worst team, but they're not good enough to beat this Atlanta team. Uh, Philadelphia, Carolina, we're all taking Carolina.
1: Yeah, like you just look at the record and you look at the fact that the the Philly offense isn't looking that good and Carolina's very good against the run.
0: Yeah, Kiki's back,
1: so... If you take away the run, then you're relying on Sam Bradford now, as we've discussed earlier. That probably isn't a good recipe for success. And we'll just see more Cam Newton, like... Doing his thing and probably scraping through enough to win this
0: game. Then we've got finally Baltimore at Arizona. Um, we've all taken Arizona. I think Arizona are going to drop a hammer on these guys. They're going well, to try and make a bit of a statement after after last their 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 thirteen point performance against Pittsburgh last week. So um, yeah, I see them coming out all guns blazing here and and tearing into what is a terrible Baltimore defense and being able to absolutely curb stomp what. With with their defense, what is a essentially wide receiverless offense? True. So we're going to move on to some of our more controversial picks. Uh, Cleveland at St. Louis. Uh, myself and Harry have taken Cleveland here, and Roland, you've taken St. Louis. Well, I I flipped a coin and it said this week St. Louis are going to be the good
1: Rams, not the bad Rams. So therefore, they will win. One week they will beat the best teams in the league. The next, the next week they will lose horribly to like to the Washington Football Club. Like, this week I decided they're at home. Cleveland is not looking very good. And maybe, like they'll probably show up. And Todd Gurley is starting to look uh, something special. He is. He starts to go. If he starts to go, then Nick Bowles' complete lack of any production should become less relevant. Because St. Louis is holding pretty much every team to only a few scores per game. So if Todd Gurley is going, that should be enough to overcome it.
0: Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, basically, I think Cleveland are poor, but are due in. I also flipped a coin that said St. Louis are going to be the bad St. Louis this week. Uh, so we'll see. But overall, I just think Cleveland are playing decent football. They've got a good offense. They've been putting up a lot of yards. Their defense isn't great, but like they've got the talent there. It's just that it's not really delivering. I think they're going to want to try and make a statement against St. Louis. St. Louis are a decent team, but they're a decent team that you can beat because they're inconsistent. You want to You want to rack up a win against a team like St. Louis, where you can say to your guys, look, this should energize you. These guys are good, even if you beat the bad version of them. So sure. I think Cleveland are going to be quite invested in this.
1: Both these teams play below their talent level every week. It's, it's very its mostly—it's very depressing if you support them.
0: <laughs> so uh, we're, we're now going to hit into the section where uh, I appear to have gone a little bit mental. So I've got four, four calls here that I'm the only person who thought that this is going to happen. Uh, one of these is, For obvious reasons. The other ones are for slightly less obvious reasons. Minnesota at Detroit. I've taken Detroit. Both you and Harry have taken Minnesota. You made the mistake last week of underestimating Detroit. Why do you think Minnesota are going to be able to do it?
1: Underestimating them against the Bears, come on, come on, Connor.
0: Like, hey, you all said it was a definite. There's no way they're going to win. it. Bears are going <laughs> to stomp them by like 20 the, points.
1: I, like, I don't know if you're retconning history or not, but no, like, I think Minnesota looked like a solid team. Detroit have not looked solid. They got their solitary win over the the Bears. Then maybe they'll kick on. They have the talent level. Like, I don't. I think it's a dead cat bounce really like, over the Bears. So we shouldn't read too much into it. I think Minnesota's solid but
0: boring but a serviceable team uh, should be sufficient right? the Vikings should be enough for that I think yeah like I, I can see where you're coming from I'm just looking at it going Detroit played quite well and looked quite different last week from what they had up to that point, the benching of the of of, of, uh, of their starting quarterback seemed to really light a fire underneath him. Uh, he threw for a monstrous number of yards, a couple of touchdowns. He's decided to start targeting Megatron again and not just trying to use him for swing passes. So <laughs> that's like which like the opposite of what Megatron does. Um, like I think they're going to be good on that. I don't think Minnesota's defense is stout enough to actually stop the weapons that they have. Minnesota only really have the run game and it is a good run game, but I think Detroit have the personnel. Yes, they're missing Sue. They still got a lot of good defensive personnel that if they know they just need to key in on Adrian Peterson and dare Teddy Bridgewater to throw, then they'll be able to stack that up. So next we come to Pittsburgh at Kansas city. Uh, as as I eternally will do, I'm backing Kansas City in this game. You guys are backing Pittsburgh. Uh what makes you think Pittsburgh with all their fantastic offensive weapons and surprisingly powerful defense and good record so far are gonna be able to beat the mighty one in five Chiefs? Their
1: <laughs> superior record, their superior offensive weapons, and their superior defence. Well the defense is like maybe not superior. But yeah, like I think like you're looking at a, a situation here where you have one team which is on a roll and one team which isn't, and so I think that, that will show. Like, it is an arrowhead, so I don't think this just like, don't have a chance. I don't think this will be a blowout or anything like that. I think it will be a really tough game, which
0: Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh's last few games have been. They've been quite uh, tough. Right. My, my rationale is, one, I'm a homer, and I know this is going to be really hard to do, <laughs> but, you know, I'm still going to back them. I'm now going to rationalise this, because I've, I've managed to actually get good, good reasons for this as well. The two the two strengths of their team uh, last last week were well essentially Martavis Bryant had a monster game right he looked fantastic and then they've also got Antonio Brown who's basically just the best receiver in the game at the moment. <laughs> Both of those elements are completely negated by the fact they have Landry Jones starting at quarterback. Landry Jones is terrible. People say he looked good in that start. He looked fucking awful, right? But, but better than Michael Vick, that's not saying. Yeah, he's good. he looks he looked better than a guy who was at his peak twelve years ago, right? <laughs> Like they got a like basically got a couple of lucky like short throws to Martavis yeah, Bryant. Yeah, that's the thing. To... His, his 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 stats look great because I heard I heard everyone going, "Oh my god, Larry Jones came into the game and he looked fantastic." So I went back and I watched the film on it, and he looks terrible. He, like Bryant looked incredible, but yeah. the thing is, so what that leaves you with is it leaves you with having to deal with Le'Veon Bell, great back, one of the best backs in the league. Last week, with two starters, out, we managed to keep Adrian Peterson to about 50 yards, right? I have no worries about our defense being able to put pressure on the run game and trying to take that away from them. When you've got a bad quarterback, or at least a young, inexperienced quarterback who hasn't looked good and all reports from the camp has been terrible, bear in mind, like this is the quarterback that they brought in Michael Vick because they didn't trust him, right? <laughs> Michael Vick was an upgrade for them in the in the preseason over this guy. What (laughs) What you've got what you've got then is you've got two very good wide receivers in Bryant and in uh, and and in Brown, right? But what you've also got from the Chiefs side is you've got Sean Smith and you've got Marcus Peters who are both playing quite well. Sean Smith less so because he's easing himself back in after the suspension. But when you've got a rookie quarterback who's gonna make mistakes, who's gonna feel pressure when the when the defense of the Chiefs can actually capitalise. I don't think it's going to be a good game, skill-wise, from anyone. I think it'll be an exciting game, because I think there's going to be lots of picks and mistakes and drops be, and fuck-ups. It'll
1: be a very tense game, would we'll be how I'd say. So, yeah. Yes,
0: that's it. And I think I think the crowd at, at Arrowhead are going to be desperate for a win. If they lose this, there's they might as well just tank the season. Like It's just yeah. not, not a point. I also think that if they lose this game, there's a strong chance of looking at... Uh, the potential of change of quarterback position, the removal of play calling from Andy Reid. And this is something I never thought I'd say. I think there is an outside chance that if, say, if they, were, they were to lose this and to lose to the Lions in London, that Andy Reid would be gone during the bye week. Yeah, that could be happening. There's a lot of push against that. Bob Sutton's defence hasn't been as inventive. Uh, people have kind of keyed in on what he's doing. It's just not working fantastically well. Something will need to be changed. And I think this is the game where they can try and get enough of it back on track that their jobs will be safe and they can do some interesting things beyond that. I think there's a lot of pressure on this game, and I think KC will come out and give, if not a win, a very good dogfight. And just on the back of Landry Jones being the quarterback, I think the defense might be able to seal it up for Kansas City at home. New York Jets at New England Patriots. This is one... Why did I pick so many of these? (laughs) I think your choice here probably
1: reflects more like you... Probably betting on the spread more than actually believing the Jets will win. You're probably, You're probably thinking this is a this is definitely a game I would bet against the spread in favor of the Jets.
0: I've okay, so 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 the listeners know I've taken the Jets. And the lads have taken New England in this one. I've, I've picked a lot of games on my own. I'm either going to go like streaking ahead in the picks game this week, or I'm going to come crashing down to earth and be back with you guys right in the middle again. Um, I'll give you my rationale for the Jets, and then you can explain the New England Patriots. I'm sure Harry would love to be here for it. Jets have an exceptionally good defense that is doing a, causing a lot of turnovers and things like that. They've got fantastic quarterbacks to try and take some of the prep, to, to, to try and counteract some of the the excellent throws that Tom Brady's going to make. They've got a beastly front seven to try and put some pressure on him. Uh, New England are missing, I think is it the left tackle went out uh, this week with an injury? They're missing some of their line anyway. Jets do enough on offense that they can get things done. Their wide receivers are playing at an exceptionally high level at the moment, and New England lack any semblance of a secondary, so I think that's there. Chris Ivory is playing like a top five back in the league right now. And New England don't do fantastically well against power backs as well, especially with the lack of Wilfork and... Some of those pieces that they would have had previously on defense, so I think that's going to get going. I understand that New England are the favorites in this, and I I can see them entirely if they can get off to if they can get off to a good start. Then I think they can go to the races and take just completely take this game out of any any kind of competition. But seeing how they played against Indianapolis last week and being slow to start, the fact that you always end up dropping a game or two in a season. If they're going to drop a game. The Jets are probably the best team they face for most of the rest of their schedule. Like it's it's it's, awesome. it's 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 the best chance for the Jets to get one up on them that I've seen in a while, and that's why I'm backing them in that scenario. I would agree with
1: you, like to a large extent. I think it, like it, like from a betting perspective, it's a it's a good sneaky bet. It's a good like there's a good chance relative to the rest of the season that this is a this is a, a banana like a banana peel game. For New England, New England is looking really, really good this season. So on average, you have to go with the team that looking really good. Like there's not, if I was feeling like adventurous or if I was, or oh, whatever, I could definitely see the Jets doing it. But I think if it's a if it's between a 50-50 chance and this, then I think like New England are on the better yeah. side of that chance.
0: No, no, like I, I get it entirely, but yes, yeah, so I'm back in <laughs> them. And then... <laughs> Gronkowski, Gronkowski good. Tom and Brady the, good. And then
1: Melichek good.
0: Now to the last <laughs> one that I picked on my own. Uh... Oakland at San Diego. I've taken Oakland. You guys have taken San Diego. Defend San Diego.
1: Well, they have Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is looking really good this season, as usual. Even though his O line is trash, getting back Antonio Gates has helped them a lot in the last uh, in the last two weeks. Like they put up a decent fight against Green Bay this week. Like a more than decent fight, an actually a pretty good fight. Now this was at the new like a Green Bay team which was missing
0: half of their team
1: five <laughs> and which Eddie Lacey is either injured slash fat. Like, San Diego have looked pretty good in pretty much all their games this season, but come up short a lot. Uh, I think against an Oakland team, which is definitely ascending, but which still fatter to deceive, they probably still have enough to take it over them. Uh, I think both these are actually very, like, probably reasonably equal teams, but I think yeah. uh, San Diego's the savvy of rivers will tell over uh, Carr, even if, like, Oakland is probably an ascending team while San Diego is probably a descending team in overall talent level.
0: No, fair enough. I'm taking Oakland here because I think I think San Diego are suffering bad from some injuries. Uh, I think they are constantly nearly there, but not quite there. I think Rivers is playing good. I don't know if they've got the killer instinct to, to, to really, really go for the jugular. I think Oakland are an ascending team with a lot of talent. They want to take an in-division game and they want to take it over 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 a rival. They're going to be hungry for this, hungrier I think than San Diego are. They've got young players that will be able to outstrip some of the defense uh, that, that 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 San Diego are trying to run at the moment. On the defensive side of the ball, Woodson's looked phenomenal. Picked off, uh, picked off Peyton Manning twice. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a relatively high-scoring game. I think both these teams have deficiencies on defense and have pretty good weapons on offense. But uh, I think Oakland will be hungry enough to just about edge it out. But yeah, like I, I agree. With you. I think it's quite a close it's one. The top one to call, definitely. Yeah. And then our final game that we disagree on this week is uh, Dallas at the New York Giants. Myself and you, Ronan, have taken New York Giants, and Harry has taken Dallas. To say, I think it's because. New York Giants, inconsistent from week to week. I think they're going to want to come out strong after losing an in-division game to Philadelphia. Uh, I think Dallas are in massive fluctuation at the moment. They're swapping to Matt Castle and to Christine Michael. Uh, I can see Christine Michael having a good game. I can see Matt Castle having a good game because to be honest, Almost anyone's an upgrade over Brandon Whedon. And They might
1: get Dez back this week, and that could. Yeah,
0: a- there's there's chat about that. I've been sneakily trying to pick him up in some fantasy leagues off people who don't know that yet.
1: There's too many there's too many balls in the air to really have confidence in Dallas yet. No,
0: of like, course, of he, course,
1: he could come together.
0: Oh no, no, it could entirely, but I just think with all those moving pieces coming into place in one week against a division rival on the road, I don't see them being able to have them all click and fire on all cylinders immediately. And um I'll try and do my best job of, of defending Harry's pick for him. Harry has a massive man boner for Matt Castle. <laughs> yeah, that'll do.
1: You used
0: to, but then you had I did have a man boner for him. Like my my, my, my my love of Matt Castle was in that one game when we went to see the Vikings play the Steelers. And we were sat outside in the beer garden of the Green Man and we we're having a pint and we we're having a discussion about it. I said, Who are we gonna cheer for? because the Steelers obviously we like but they have a rapist at quarterback alleged alleged rapist <laughs> at quarterback and the Vikings are just a shit show with I suppose at the time we didn't know he beat his kids so I suppose that wasn't a problem but I basically said to the guys look this is an 0 and 4 team with Matt Castle under center that rely entirely on their run game this is the closest I've ever been to seeing the Kansas City Chiefs live uh, <laughs> we have to back them and then Matt Castle had a pretty pretty decent day of it but, um, but generally yeah, it'll be fun. Anything else going on with yourself, Fitz? Any crack? I yeah, don't quite enough. Ah, fair enough. I'm uh, I'm heading out now. Uh, this Sunday, we're going to rejoin the, the, the old game of American football for realties. Uh, myself and the brother are going to go down to the Dublin Rhinos, uh, to their training and, uh, start getting back to playing a bit of American football, which should be a bit of fun. That'd be great. Yeah, it be good, crack. And then, uh, Obviously, we've got to we've got to prepare ourselves for the for the epic lads weekend that we'll be heading over to Wembley for the for the Chiefs uh, Chiefs Lions game. Yeah. You excited? Yeah, very excited. It's going to be great. Should be good fun. Should be good <laughs> fun. Uh, we're currently waiting on our jerseys that were ordered four weeks ago. The last update we got on the jerseys is that they were shipped out of China two and a half weeks ago, and I've since been in, <laughs> out of communication with us. So we've, we've, now, we've now contacted the seller and said, uh, hey, do you know where our jerseys are? And she was like, oh, I just asked them. Apparently it takes a really long time to get to Ireland. Hope that's okay. Bye. <laughs> so fingers crossed they land in time for the game because uh, I got myself a nice nice white Eric Berry uh, Chiefs jersey for it. Yes, nice, yes. Nice. To be, you know, fresh, fresh. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 about it from us. Um, send uh, best wishes to, 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 to Harry and his housemates, and hope everything gets sorted there. Thanks to everyone for listening. It was good fun. Like I say, drop us a line on uh, on Facebook, or we're soon to have a have a Twitter account and everything set up and uh, all that jazz. Uh, say goodbye, Fitz. bye Bye for me as well. Uh, see you all next week.